Awesome. Thank you so much, Matt. That was really encouraging. Um, thanks for being here with us tonight. Super excited to be here in person with all of you tonight. Who's excited about that? Woo! Woo! Okay, that was not as hype as I expected it to be, but that's okay. I'm really excited to be here. Um, so we're going to continue in our series on, um, it's called Reframed. We're going through 1 Corinthians. Um, last week, Katie talked to us about care fronting, um, that we should love one another enough to, um, to care more about their future um, than their feelings and that sin, um, to take sin seriously because it always leads to destruction. Um, and so tonight we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Um, and Paul is going to talk to us about forgiveness. Um, but before we go into that, um, a little bit about me. If you don't know me, my name is Julia Johnson. Um, I'm on staff here at Chi Alpha. Um, two things I really love are cheer wine and beef jerky. Um, and beef jerky. Um, also, it's my birthday this Friday. So, I do love cheer wine and beef jerky. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> um, so this summer, right, let's go. Um, so this summer, this past July, my husband and I celebrated our second year anniversary, wedding anniversary. Um, so we met at a church in Roanoke um, in 2015. And after dating for about two months, um, I went to visit Hunter in Charlottesville to break up with him. Um, I called him that day and was like, hey, what are you doing in two hours? <laughs> and uh, he was like, nothing, why? And I was like, I'm coming to visit you. We need to talk. Um, and so I got there. I was really nervous, and I was getting ready to break up with him. And I sit down, um, and I'm like, hey, we need to take a break. <laughs> Um, I said this, and I, I, I like have hard. I was like, oh shoot, I can't do this. Said we need to take a break, right? Um, I was like, I just feel like we're going really, like moving too fast, and I'm not ready for this. So let's just slow down, take a break. Um, we talked a little bit longer, and then I think he prayed with me, and I almost started crying a lot. Um, and then I drove home and cried a lot in the car. Um, and so as I was driving home, I didn't expect to ever talk to him ever again. Um, so that was completely different. <laughs> that was completely different than what I told him. Um, I didn't. <laughs> it was going to be tough because he also went to the same church as me in Roanoke. And so like on breaks, he would come to church and I'd see him like walking in the hallway. And I'd either just like see him and turn around and just walk the other way and hope that he didn't notice I was ignoring him. Um, or just keep my head down and walk a lot faster. <laughs> Um, if you didn't hear that, he knew. Um, so I was really mean. I was a jerk. Um, and about nine months later, um, Hunter and I had been serving together in the church um, with our youth group. And I just started to realize how mean I had been, how much of a jerk I had been. And I was like, man, I need to ask him to forgive me. Um, God had been putting that on my heart, and I was like, do I, like, do I really need to? We're never going to talk again, so it'll be fine. Um, and he was like, yeah, go, like, you need to do this. Um, and so I texted him, we met up for coffee, and as I was getting ready for that conversation, I was so nervous, right? I was like, I have been so mean to this guy. Um, he didn't deserve any of it. Um, he yeah, I, I don't deserve any of this. I thought he was just going to respond in anger. He was going to say, hey, I can't forgive you. You hurt me too much. Like, this is too hard. Um, but I also knew that if that did happen, 
um, that I deserved all of that. You know, like I, I deserved him to not forgive me. Um, and so we start talking and I work it up in me and I'm like, Hunter, I'm sorry. Um, and sorry, oh well. instead of him getting angry with me and storming out of there and us not having reconciliation like I thought would happen, he looked at me and he said, I forgive you and I'm sorry too. Like, what, what kind of response is that, right? Like, I did not deserve that. Props to Hunter for being so gracious and gentle and humble. Um, but he said, I forgive you and I'm sorry too. And I'm still, I don't know what he apologized for. I don't think he even knows to this day. Um, but have you guys ever been there? <laughs> have you guys ever been there? You've like been in a situation where you need to ask someone to forgive you and you know that you don't deserve it. Um, or you, um, you need to forgive someone and they don't deserve your forgiveness, but you, you know you need to do it. Um, you need to just forgive them, even if they didn't come up to you and ask you for forgiveness, but you know you need to forgive them. Um, so as we, as we look at 1 Corinthians in chapter 6 tonight, Paul is going to talk about this kind of forgiveness. Um, so if you guys have your Bibles, you can turn there with me, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. If you have your phones, you can do that too. Um, I think a real Bible is better. <laughs> you can write notes in it and everything, but that's also okay. Um, so yeah, we're going to read verses 1 through 4 in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. It says, If any of you has a dispute with another, do you dare take it before the ungodly for judgment instead of before the Lord's people? Or do you not know that the Lord's people will judge the world? And if you're to judge the world, are you not competent to judge trivial cases? Do you not know that we will judge angels? How much more the things of this life? Therefore, if you have any disputes about such matters, do you ask for a ruling from those whose way of life is scorned in the church? And so Paul here is addressing the fact that the believers in Corinth are taking these small, trivial issues that they have with one another um, that can be resolved within the church, and they're having the ungodly or the unbelievers deal with those issues. And so in the time that this letter was written, um, the justice system was very heavily weighted in favor um, of the wealthy or of people of higher class. Um, it was very unjust, which kind of sounds like our system today. Um, when being judged for the same issue, the wealthy or the, the people of higher class would be banned from the city or, um, and, and forced to leave, but the poor would be crucified. Like how, how unjust is that, right? And so we can see one of the reasons that Paul is really upset that the believers are taking these small trivial cases um, to court is because it's clearly unjust and biased. And he's like, you guys can deal with these things. Like, you don't need that. Um, and he's not saying here, don't ever take people to court. You know what I mean? Like, he's, he doesn't say, don't ever take any believer to court. Like, you deal with every single situation within the church. He's saying, because these issues are so small and so trivial, you can deal with them. Um, and these smaller issues, we don't know exactly what they could be. It could be like a monetary issue, um, or he says later on that someone is, um, might have been hurt. Um, but he doesn't specifically state what that issue is. And, but he does emphasize a lot that it's a small issue, that these are just really like trivial things. Um, something that that could look like today 
um, could be maybe someone drops your phone and it breaks and you have to buy a new one um, and they don't even offer to pay for it or they don't offer to help cover the cost. Paul's like, don't take someone to court for that. Just buy a new phone and move on with your lives. You know, like take that loss and move on. Um, He's saying extend the forgiveness. Extend forgiveness. Don't just take people to court because it's what you can do. Um, And in verses two and three, he says, do you not know that you'll judge the world, that you guys are gonna judge angels? Much less, you should be able to judge these small trivial things because of their authority that they have as believers in Christ, they should be able um, to resolve these issues. And he says this not because Christians um, are better than anyone else or exclusive, but because Christians are called to live to a higher standard. They're called to have higher morals than the world or the culture that they live in. And so picking up in verses five and six, it says, I say this to shame you. Is it possible that there is nobody among you wise enough to judge a dispute between believers? But instead, one brother takes another to court, and this in front of other believers. He openly says, hey, I'm asking these questions to shame you. I'm asking these questions to help you realize that this is not right. He's trying to let them know that they are not living like believers, but instead they're conforming to the culture around them. They're trying to um, handle things, how the culture is telling them to handle these things. Um, And he follows a statement with sarcasm, which is kind of hard to believe that Paul would use sarcasm at this point, but he says, is it possible that there's nobody among you wise enough to judge a dispute between believers? And he knows this church, like he started this church, so he knows all of the people who, um, who, are, who are there. He knows all of the leaders. He knows that there are people wise enough to judge these things, but they're not doing their job. They're not being um, a light in their community. And he's trying to get them to recognize that sort of on their own. Um, and so as Paul's been calling them to this higher standard, he's helping them recognize that the church's purpose is to change the culture around them not to become like it. Um, This church is allowing the sinful culture to judge what they do and dictate how they live. And by doing this, it's destroying their community. And, And he's saying, how is the world supposed to recognize that they need Jesus, that they need to change if the church isn't living to this higher standard or they can't even deal with these small disputes themselves? And so in um, verses seven through nine, it says, the very fact that you have lawsuits among you means you have been completely defeated already. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? Instead, you yourselves cheat and do wrong, and you do this to your brothers and sisters. Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? So as he's trying to get this church to recognize that they're not dealing with things the way they should be, that they're not extending forgiveness, um, they're bringing each other to court over these small issues, he's saying instead of extending that forgiveness, they're choosing to harbor bitterness. You know, instead of extending forgiveness, they're choosing to, um, they're choosing to value personal justice over their relationships. They're choosing to be right over the relationships that they have in their community. And Jesus tells us in John 13, he says, by this, the world will know that, we are, that you are my disciples, by your love for one another. 
And so by, that, by the Corinthian church choosing um, to be right versus choosing to love one another, they're not living like Jesus called them to live. And in the context of the church of Corinth, like it's so countercultural to love one another, to forgive. And even in our day to day, it's so countercultural um, to, to forgive one another, to extend forgiveness. Culture around us says, get revenge, do what's best for you. If they don't deserve your forgiveness, don't give it, you know, do it, whatever makes you happy. But that's not what Paul is asking the Corinthians to do, and that's not what he's asking us to do. He says in verses seven and eight, why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? Instead, you yourselves cheat and do wrong, and you do this to your brothers and sisters. He's asking them, why not you, right? Instead of taking the hurt of some of these unbelievers that are cheating them and doing wrong to them, they're supposed to, they're doing all of these things. They're cheating, they're doing wrong to the ones that they're supposed to love unconditionally. So Tim Keller says this about forgiveness. When forgiveness is extended, someone absorbs the wound. So when forgiveness is extended, someone absorbs the wound. When someone wrongs us, it creates a wound. And so when we extend forgiveness, we're absorbing that wound and we're saying that we will love that person despite of the hurt that they caused us. Um, and, and when that wound is absorbed, we choose to no longer carry that hurt. Paul says that if someone has to be wronged, if someone has to absorb that wound, why isn't it you guys? He's saying, like, you guys' identity is already settled at the cross. You know, you guys already know who you are in Jesus. So why aren't you just absorbing that wound, taking your losses, and moving on to be an example um, in, your, in your community? And so we have to choose to observe the hurt um, and choose to forgive, to let go of that, that bitterness. And we have to choose to value our relationships with others over our pride. Um, we also see here that forgiveness is costly. It means accepting undeserved suffering. It means choosing not to get even with one another. Um, it's about choosing to trust God and to deal justly with the offender and to make things right. This forgiveness is costly. It costs us our pride, honestly. Um, it's really hard to say, hey, I was in the wrong um, and I forgive you. You know what I mean? Um, or, or even just to say, I, like in your heart, to say, I, I know that you hurt me, but I'm, just, I'm not going to choose revenge. I'm not going to desire justice. I'm, I'm going to take that loss and I'm going to forgive this person anyways. So this forgiveness is costly. It costs us our pride. It asks us to humble ourselves. And Paul is trying to get us all to see that even though it's costly, man, is it worth it, right? Like it's so much more worth it. LOL, that, did, did that sound right? <laughs> it's so much more worth it um, to choose to value your relationship with your brother and sister um, than, than to get even with them. And so as he wraps up talking about forgiveness, he reminds them of who they are in Jesus. Um, at the end of verse 11, he says, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. He says, but because you guys have been justified by the blood of Jesus, you no longer have to live how the culture around you lives, right? Because you have been justified by the blood of Jesus, you have the option to absorb the wound and to keep the relationship with your brother strong. He's, he reminds them that Jesus did exactly this. He absorbed the wound for us all, and he didn't have to, but he said, why not me? 
he, he said, why not me? He would rather be wronged in order to save the relationship with us than be right and not have relationship with all of us. He knew that there was no other way for us to be forgiven, that we would mess it up every single time. Um, but he knew that the only way that we could be truly forgiven was to die for us. And he paid the debt. He died for us on the cross. The wound that he had to absorb in order to forgive us was being accused of many things that he didn't do. He endured the most painful and shameful death, and he still went through all of it because he knew that was the only way that we could be truly forgiven. And so because of this ultimate act of forgiveness that Jesus made for us, we can forgive others. Um, and so kind of the good news is that Paul isn't over here asking us to go literally die for our brothers and sisters. He's not like, hey, someone wronged you, like, go literally die. But he's, he's just asking us to swallow our pride, right? He's just asking us to swallow our pride, to take some losses, and ultimately recognize that it's better to absorb that wound and extend forgiveness and gain a friend, a brother, a sister, rather than hold on to bitterness and let it steal our joy. When we leave, live freely instead of keeping a score of who was hurt, how many times, and how often we're right, it's actually a better life. It's a more free life. We can actually live joyfully in the moment without all of this weight of unforgiveness and bitterness inside us. So when we choose to forgive others, we release that to the Lord, we release that, and, and that weight gets lifted off of us and we get to live freely. And how much better is it to live like that? And so in light of Jesus forgiving all of our sins, our past, present, and future, we should also forgive others. And Jesus gives a parable about this um, in Matthew 28, verses 23 through 25. We're not going to turn there tonight, um, but Jesus tells us this parable about an unmerciful servant. And in the beginning, Peter's like, hey, Jesus, if I forgive se someone seven times, like, that's probably enough, right? Back in the culture, I think it was like, you could the normal was to forgive someone three times and so Peter's like hey if I forgive someone seven times is like that's probably good enough and Jesus says no he's like not seven times but seven times 70. Um, he didn't mean he didn't tell Peter hey like count up to 490 times of forgiveness and then you're set you're good for life you know he's saying um he's saying that we must forgive as many times as we can like no one's going to count to 490 um, and, and honestly, that's, as I just said, not a free way to live. Um, but Jesus is saying, no, forgive as often as you can. As many times as the opportunity presents itself, forgive one another. Um, and he says, you know, as, as Paul is saying in light of the cross, because we've been forgiven much, we must forgive as well. Um, and so C.S. Lewis puts it this way, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. And this is hard. How can we do it? Only, I think, by remembering where we stand, by meaning our words when we say in our prayers each night, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us. Um, so this, this forgiveness is really hard. You know, it doesn't come naturally. It's not super easy, but C.S. Lewis is like, hey, to be a Christian, means to forgive the inexcusable because the inexcusable was forgiven um, for us. You know, God forgave us of all of our inexcusable sins on the cross before we were even born. 
And so before we end tonight, we're gonna take a second to look at what forgiveness is not. We've looked at what it is, that it is costly, that it's absorbing the wounds, that it's choosing to value relationships over being right. Um, but here are a few things that forgiveness is not. Um, so the first one is it's not approving or diminishing sin. It isn't dishonoring the cross and telling your brother or sister that the sin that they're living in is okay to live in because there's forgiveness for that. I mean, there is forgiveness, but we can't make forgiveness an excuse to just live in sin. So forgiveness is not approving or diminishing sin. It's forgiving people for what they've done for us and seeing them through the eyes of that forgiveness. Um, forgiveness is not the denial of a wrongdoing. It's not saying, I'm just pretending this never happened. We're just going to pretend it never happened. Everything's going to be fine. Like, that's not what it is. Um, saying that does not absorb the wound. It just pretends that the wound isn't there and it's eventually going to come up later. Um, that's just living with it and pretending it's not there. And that's not true forgiveness. Um, and forgiveness is not forgetting. Um, this is one of the great Christian myths. How many of you guys have heard, well, just forgive and forget? You know, there's like a, song, a whole song about it. Um, I know I grew up in the church and I heard that probably my entire life. Um, well, just forgive and forget. But you can't do that. You can't forgive and forget. That's just, that's not how it works. You know, some people may have been raped or molested, abandoned, beaten, abused, cheated on, betrayed, lied about, like all of these terrible things, like you can't just forget that that ever happened. That's not going to happen. Um, and some people will go to, to different books like Jeremiah where it says that God will remember their sin no more. And they say, see, God doesn't remember our sin. He forgets our sin. But God does remember our sin. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. So he, for, he doesn't forget anything. It's not like he's sitting up there saying, oh man, I just forgot a whole bunch of things. Like, you know what I mean? Because, um, I mean, if he forgot a whole bunch of things, he would cease to be God. He would cease to be omniscient, right? All-knowing. Um, and so what does it mean that God remembers their sin no more? It means that God chooses not to interact with us based upon what we've done, but instead he interacts with us based upon what Christ has done, based upon the forgiveness that Christ gave us through the cross. It means that he chooses to see us as a new creation, and he chooses to work for a new future. Um, and so lastly, we see that, um, we'll say that forgiveness is not reconciliation. Forgiveness is not reconciliation. So it takes one person to repent, and it takes one person to forgive, but it does take two people to have reconciliation. Um, a while back, I had a friend who I had hurt pretty bad. She had hurt me pretty badly. It was a, it was a really tough situation, right? Um, and neither of us really recognized that for a while, but um, I feel like this is a pattern in my life of hurting someone, not recognizing it, and then Jesus shows it to me later. Um, but I, I repented of that hurt, and I asked God to forgive me, and I was like, okay, I'm going to see if she'll forgive me, right? Um, but, but she wasn't ready for that, and there was no reconciliation. And for a while, I kind of took that on myself. I'm like, oh man, I must have done that wrong. Like, I need to continue to forgive and continue to carry this. But I didn't recognize that forgiveness is not reconciliation. That, that I can extend, I can repent, I can extend forgiveness, but if the other person is not willing to have reconciliation, that that, I mean, it's tough, but that is okay. You know, as long as you do your part and you repent and you forgive. 
And so choosing to forgive um, is hard. It's something that you um, have to do day by day. People hurt us. It's really tough. But if we're going to live freely, if we're going to live in light of what Jesus has done for us, we have to choose to forgive. And our flesh is always going to say, get even with that. Like, they don't deserve that. You don't need to extend that. Like, you deserve better for you. Um, But because of what Jesus did on the cross, we need to forgive one another. And because of what Jesus did on the cross, it's possible for us to forgive one another and to let go of that hurt and that wound. Um, So forgiveness is absorbing the wound. It's choosing love over bitterness and resentment. And it's choosing to value your relationship with that person. It's choosing freedom. Um, And so tonight, maybe you have had someone on your heart that you need to forgive. Maybe someone hurt you and you have to absorb that wound and forgive them even if they haven't asked you asked to receive your forgiveness yet. Or maybe you've been sitting there realizing that there is someone you need to ask forgiveness from, someone that you've hurt and you need to ask them to forgive you. You're, you're realizing that you hurt someone and you need to reach out to them. Or maybe you're realizing that in general, you don't recognize the weight of what Jesus did on the cross for you. That, that you don't recognize that he has forgiven you for, and he offers forgiveness for all of your sins, for all of the times that you've hurt him, but you're not walking that, you haven't recognized that. So we're gonna take a few minutes, um, and yeah, we're gonna take a few minutes just to sit and reflect on these things and just pray that God would um, give us courage, give us the humility um, to extend forgiveness, to ask to receive someone's forgiveness, or even just to confess that you haven't Um, been living in light of the forgiveness that Jesus has offered us. So Rachel, you can come on up and start playing. Um, And in your seat, we're just going to take a few moments. And maybe you haven't recognized that, and you just need to ask God to show you someone in your life that you need to reach out to and extend forgiveness or ask to receive forgiveness. Um, But we're just going to take a few moments to think about those things.